I'd like to invite you to bow your heads as we ask God's direction for this moment. Father, we thank you once again for this privilege of being here. And we ask, Lord, that you may give us your blessing, that you may give us understanding, that you may give us, Lord, a humble heart, a teaching spirit, that we'll be willing to listen to your voice. Father, this morning I stand up here as, as an instrument. That's all I want to be, Lord. I'm a human being, and I ask you that you may cleanse me from my unrighteousness, that the Holy Spirit will empower me, will anoint my lips, that the words that I say today they will bring glory and honor to you, and that they will convey, Lord, the message you have for us today. May your word come out alive and transform us, change us, give us a new direction, give us hope in this life. I ask for every worshiper that is here this morning, whether they be a member of this church or friends, be with them. They, may they be blessed by the message today. And may we treasure your word in our hearts. May your name be glorified and honored in everything that we'll say and do here today. I ask you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So there are many situations that may take you by surprise. You may have prepared for, for things, you may have prepared for a situation, you may have prepared for an event, but things happen that, that take you by surprise, or as they say properly, it just throws you off. You had no idea things were going to turn out that way, and in many situations, in many cases, it is something negative that comes out. And you are simply, as the Bible says in this text, you are simply perplexed. You just don't know what to do. You are startled. You are, you are taken by surprise. And you didn't expect that to happen. There are situations that can leave you at a loss for words. You don't quite know what to say. Even worse, there are situations that leave you at a loss. Period. You just don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. And sometimes you might actually react, react to that and end up saying things that you shouldn't. End up saying things that you didn't quite expect to say because you were not prepared for that situation. And it could be something awkward like this young man went through. He was engaged to the love of his life. They were planning marriage in just a few months, in just a few weeks. And in one of his visits to the to the fiance's family, he was confronted by the father. And the father looked at him and said, young man, are you prepared to support a family? And he didn't expect that question. And he said, sir, uh, I was just prepared. I was just planning to support your daughter. I mean, the rest of you will have to fend for yourselves. <laughs> That's not what the father meant, of course, but he was surprised. It was something he didn't expect. He was just perplexed. Or it could be something perplexing that turns out to be a learning situation and learning opportunity. And the story is told that during the Spanish-American War, Clara Barton was overseeing the work of the Red Cross in Cuba. And one day, Colonel Theodore Roosevelt came to her wanting to buy food for his sick and wounded Rough Riders. But she refused to sell any food to him. Roosevelt was perplexed. His men needed the help and he was prepared to pay out of his own funds. 
But when he asked someone why he could not buy the supplies his troop needed, he was told, Colonel, just ask for it. And a smile broke over Roosevelt's face, and now he understood that the provisions were not for sale. All he had to do was simply ask, and they would be given freely. And so in our lives, this is a good lesson that we may be perplexed. It is okay to be perplexed, but we cannot despair, as the Bible says. And we must know that there is, there is help waiting in Jesus Christ. We can, we can go to him. We just have to ask, and it will be given freely. Now, perplexity can take over anybody, just over anybody. You can think of Paul. Paul is saying here in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 to 10, and particularly in verse 8, Paul is saying, we have been persecuted, we have been uh, perplexed. We find ourselves perplexed, but not in despair. Now, wait a minute. Are we talking that Paul was perplexed? Is Paul really saying that? Paul was the greatest theologian in the New Testament. Paul is the author of most of the New Testament. Paul is someone who literally, personally had an encounter with Jesus on the way to Damascus. And yet, Paul is saying that he was perplexed at times. So what does it mean to be perplexed? To be, that's what the dictionary says, to be in perplexity with the implication of serious anxiety, to be at a loss, to be uncertain, to be anxious, to be in doubt, in consternation. Let me give you a biblical example of that. We're going to find here in this text, even though the translation does not use the same word as in 2 Corinthians 4, but here in John chapter 13, if you have your Bible, you can... Go look up John chapter 13 and verses 21 and 22. John 13, 21, 22. This is when Jesus was with the disciples and Jesus announced that one of them was going to betray him. One of them was going to be the traitor. And so verses 21 and 22 of John 13 say, when Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Other translations may have a different word rather than perplexed. But here in this translation, it says the disciples looked at one another. They were perplexed about whom. He was. So Jesus declares that someone was going, was going to betray him. And they can't quite understand that. They, they would never expect that one of the twelve would be the one betraying Jesus. And so they were perplexed. They were perplexed try, trying to figure out whom was Jesus talking about. Who is this? So that's, that's the meaning of perplexity in the Bible. That's the meaning of being perplexed. There is another example. So this is the same word in the original that is used in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 
There is another example of the same word, or at least a word coming from the same root, from the same family. And it's found one book before John in the book of Luke, chapter 21, verses 25 and 26. Luke, chapter 21, verses 25 and 26. So Jesus is announcing signs of his coming. Jesus is giving them some signs of his coming, of the time when his coming was going to be really, really near. And so Jesus says, verses 25 and 26 of chapter 21 of Luke, And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, Men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now look at that. Look at that district description. When someone would see the sun darken and the moon become red and the stars falling. That was something that people had never seen. And so when it happened it left people perplexed. There will be the stress of nations. The sea and the waves would, waves would be roaring. And men's hearts would be failing from fear and the expectation of those things. They would be simply perplexed. What is this? And so that's the kind of perplexity. That's the kind of feeling that Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians. But you know what? The Bible, when Paul says that he's been perplexed at times... That he was perplexed at times. That tells us that it is okay to be perplexed once in a while. It is okay to be perplexed when the situation calls for it. Because Paul himself was there. And Paul was not the only one. Right? Paul is not, was not the only one. I'm going to show you a few examples shortly. That show us. That other Bible characters also went through situations where they found themselves perplexed. One of the reasons, one of the reasons why God allows us, why God allows you to go through situations that take you by perplexity. One of the reasons that God allows you to go through this obstacle, this danger, these difficulties and the tension of life. And then he helps you to come out of that victorious. It is because going through that will enable you to reach out to others living in similar situations. I was talking, we were talking, my family was talking to a young lady this week who is in college, who is in university. She's actually doing a, a, a dual program. And next April, she'll be graduating and becoming a paramedic. And uh, she was saying, oh, it is great. The program is great. All of our teachers, every single one of them, are part-time teachers and part-time paramedics. So they're still exercising. And it's different because when we are there on location, they can tell us based on what they know from experience and not only from theory. And isn't that true? When you have someone who is actually out in the field experiencing things, experiencing things, and that person is going to teach you something, it becomes so much real, so much vivid. And this is why, this is one of the reasons God allows us to go through 
perplexity. God allows us to go through a toil, through danger, through difficulties. And you may be, right now, you may find yourself in a difficult situation. I don't know everyone's situation here. I know some, but I don't know all, all of them. And maybe you're going through something really difficult. Maybe you're going through something you can't see the way out. And so my word for you so far is, it is okay to feel perplexed. It is okay because we may not have all the answers. But we cannot be in despair. That's what Paul is saying. There is a difference between being perplexed and getting despair, uh, in despair about something. George Miller, who was a Christian evangelist back in the, in the 19th or 18th century, uh, 19th century, and he was also the director of the Ashley Down Orphanage in Bristol, England. He says this, God delights to increase the faith of his children, and we ought, instead of wanting no trials before victory, instead of wanting no exercise for patience, instead of wanting to be willing, instead of wanting no trials before victory, we ought to be willing to take them from God's hand as a means. And I say, and I say deliberately, trials, obstacles, difficulties, and sometimes even defeats are the very food of faith. We should take them out of his hands as evidences of his love and care for us in developing more and more that faith which he is seeking to strengthen in us. So God is not God has not forgotten about you. God is not is not looking at you going through uh, difficulties and going through perplexity and simply not caring for. No, he cares for you. He already has a way out for you. It may not have been revealed to you yet, but he has an answer. He already has a response. And so being perplexed is okay, but not being in despair. That's what Paul says. We've been perplexed, but not to the point where we were in despair because to despair is to give up hope. To despair is to give up all expectations. To despair is to resign oneself to a state of hopelessness. There are other Bible characters that found themselves perplexed by the situation. For example, you think of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a mighty man of God. But he came to a point where he was perplexed. He was in prison, not because he had done anything criminal, anything wrong, but he was in prison because he was reproving sin, because he was standing up to sin, to sinful behavior, and he was thrown in prison. The night of doubt seemed to press so heavily upon the mind of this dedicated preacher that he seemed to be confused about the Messiah, and he asked the question, Art thou he that should come? Or should we look for another? He was perplexed that Jesus would, not, would seem not to do anything for him. John the Baptist, Paul were not the only ones. Think of the Jewish nation, the Jewish people. When they were in captivity in the days of Queen Esther. 
They were in a state of perplexity because all of a sudden there was a death sentence that was pronounced. And they knew the exact day when they were going to be wiped out. God's remnant people, just like the Jews in that time, will also have to live through a period of perplexity that has been unknown before. That's what the Bible says in Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Look at what the Bible says here. Prophet Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book of life. Daniel 12, 12 verse 1. So there will be a time for God's people in the last days where God's people may enter into a state of perplexity. But they should not despair. We just read Luke 21, 25 where the Bible says Jesus is saying that the entire world, it's not only God's people, but the entire world as they see things happening, they're going to be thrown in a state of perplexity. But those who know God to be their personal God and personal Savior should not despair. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 verse 7. This I believe is talking more specifically of God's people. Luke's, Luke 18 and verse 7. Jesus says, And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? So we may be going through difficulties now, and we may expect more difficulties to come in the future. But will God not avenge? Shall He not avenge His own elect who cry out day and night to Him? Yes, He will. Yes, He will. He will avenge His people. He will save His people. He will give them safety and security against the enemy to all of those who have, uh, who have trusted their lives into his hand. But not in despair. We should not despair. We should not be in despair. And maybe there is one Bible character. There is one Bible character that can teach us a lesson or two on that. Someone whom I believe has been through something unprecedented. And has faced difficulties like maybe none of us has ever. And that's Job. Job chapter 13. Job 13 in verse 15. Maybe this is a lesson we can learn from righteous Job. When he says, though he slay me. Now he does not really believe that God is going to slay him. But even if, even if that was the case. Even if it came to that point, though he slay me, yet I will what? I will trust him. So perplexed is okay. But I will trust him. I will not be in despair because I trust God will 
will answer, God will save me. There is no reason whatsoever, I tell you, there is no reason whatsoever to despair, for God's people to despair at any time. There is no reason whatsoever for you to be despairing about things if you really trust God. And sometimes, to begin with, we trust too much. We, we trust, no. Sometimes we worry too much about things when God has already an answer. When God has already a plan. When He has already provided the answer. The very thing we think we may be asking for. But we still worry about it. God has already the answer. A young boy was saying his nightly prayers before going to bed. And his mother happened to be at the door of his bedroom. And she was overhearing as the boy is praying. And the boy says, please, Lord, please, God, make Fredericton the capital of New Brunswick. I ask you. And when he said amen, the mother said, why would you ask that to God? And he said, because that's what I put today on my exam. <laughs> well, it just so happens that Fredericton is already, was already the capital of New Brunswick. And God has already the answer in some time. We may be still worrying about it. When we should thank God and trust that he has the answer. You should not be waiting maybe for something that you, you expect to feel. Maybe it is a feeling that I will, I will have some sense that I will have and that will be God's answer. No. Just pray and believe that God is acting because He loves you. God allows perplexity to come to His people, not to discourage them, but to use perplexity for our own good. That's what Paul taught. That's what Jesus exemplified in His life. He uses trials to correct us, not to destroy us. Job was not destroyed. Job was saved. And Job had everything restored. And he said, I will always trust him. Even when you're going through difficulties, even when you're going through difficult situations, things that leave you perplexed, let me remind you of a few things. That Jesus Christ is still the same. Everything connected to your salvation still remains the same. And even as Job said, even if I have to feel it in my skin, even if I am deprived of everything, even if he's me, I will trust him because it does not change. And my salvation will be guaranteed in him as long as I trust him, as long as I believe him. And accept him as my savior. So everything connected to your salvation has not changed. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. God's word is the same. Jesus says that the word cannot be broken. And so God's word is still the same. And that's another guarantee for your salvation. No matter what you're going through. And God's love is still the same. We were in John 13 shortly ago. Let's go back to John chapter 13. Now verses 1 to 3. John 13 verses 1 to 3. And Jesus says, Now before the feast of... Uh, uh, oh, 
I am sorry, this is not the text. It's uh, rather John 14, 1 to 3. Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare, prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So the love of God is still the same. His word is the same forever. And his love for you will not change. He's trying to woo you into his love and to, to show you how much he cares for you. Will you love Jesus more than anything? Do you love Jesus more than anything that you are ready to leave everything behind and trusting in his promises? Look forward to the future without desperation, even though you may be perplexed. And the answer we want to finish with is the one that Paul himself in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the, the answer that he himself presents later in the chapter. So I invite you to go back with me to 2 Corinthians 4. And let's read again verses 7 through to 10, and then 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Some translations say in jars of clay. And these earthen vessels, by the way, these jars of clay were, were pottery that the potter would prepare carefully to store a, a precious material inside, whether it be uh, rolls or whether it be other items would be stored there inside. They would technically be safe there. But as you know, a jar of clay can break, can't it? Well, it can break. And so even though it may break, the contents that was inside was still valuable. And so Paul is saying, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, even though we are jars of clay. God has placed something precious inside of us to those who believe and accept that the excellence, going back to verse 7, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus also may be, may be manifested in our body. And now verses 17 and 18, he says, For our light affliction. And I'll stop here. Because even though you may think that you're going through something that no one else is going through. Even though you may look at yourself and think, well, I'm struggling in a way I have never seen anyone else struggle. Paul is saying, this is just light affliction. It is light. It is small compared to all the beauty and everything that God is going to give you when He comes. And then He says, Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 
while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. May this, these words help us. May these words encourage us. Because the things we see are temporary. But pastor, I've been suffering with this for the last 10 years. But pastor, I've been struggling with such situation for six months. And I pray every day, many times a day, and I still see no way out. Remember that everything that you can see is simply temporary. It may last six months. It may last a month. It may last 10, 20, even 50 years. It's still temporary compared with the things you cannot now see, but have eternity for you to enjoy. So let's look forward to that. There is this prayer that you may have heard. It is someone who wrote this piece of poetry as if God was talking to you. And I'll close with this. And I hope you can keep this in your heart. Along with the precious and true words of scripture that give you encouragement. But God says, according to this poetry, my precious child, I am in control. I am sovereign. I am able to make things happen the way I want them to go. Yes, I allow you to make your own choices. And I know that you don't fully understand how these ideas can operate side by side. But I am, but I am, but I am able to work within and around the choices you make to cause my ultimate purposes to succeed. For this, you must trust me. Ask me about your choices and plans. Bring them to me. My wisdom is yours if you only ask. And I want you to cooperate with my plans. When the people around you don't do that, be assured, I'm still in charge. I will fulfill my plan. Their choices are their own, but I'm still in control. Trust me, and I'll use everything for your good. With love, your Heavenly Father and King. May we be inspired today. May we be encouraged today. Keep it in mind that God does see, God does care. And that we have to look forward to the things that we don't see because they are eternal. And everything else is just temporary. God bless us.